Life, glorious life, and you are here. Oh, Lena Dawson refuses to be categorized the podcast. <laughs> My loves, I wanted to share with you about this absolutely hysterical and wonderful thing I did. So, when I was reading Digital Minimalism, yes, I have mentioned that 3,000 times in the last couple of months. You're welcome. It, yes, I am a massive fangirl. You're welcome. Anyway, there was this one story that kind of took my interest. I'll paraphrase it and completely mangle it, but, you know, the sentiment still counts. Sorry, Cal Newport. Anyway, this woman decides to cut out social media from her life. And instead, she decided to spend the time she usually spent scrolling, going for walks instead, and having long phone conversations with her friends. Now, call me an absolute numpty, but it flew open a world of possibilities in me. Like, oh, we can still do that. We can still have that life. It's not over. I don't know when I stopped realizing that. Was it when the pandemic happened or was it when I had kids or was it just a slow, insidious slide into the world of social media? I don't know and I don't like that it happened. So I decided right then and there to bring it back. And then I consulted my Bible, which is More Than a Woman by Caitlin Moran. Every woman over the age of 35 needs to read this genius tome. If you're under the age of 35, you might want to start with how to be a woman. However, if you've seen some absolute shit and been through some trauma, then absolutely go read, go read more than a woman. <laughs> oh, anyway, I've loved both of them. Anyway, this is going to be a really long quote, but it's, it's worth it. And if it makes you go out and buy more than a woman, which you absolutely should, and then buy multiple copies to give to every single woman in your life, you absolutely should. Now, I'm going to say something... <laughs> a little bit controversial, but I think More Than a Woman is about 3,000 times better than Untamed by Glennon Doyle. And I love Glennon Doyle. I love Glennon Doyle. But More Than a Woman by Caitlin Moran? Like, get out of here. Amazing. 10 out of 10 perfection. Anyway, St. Cat says, these are your hag years and they are glorious. We think of hag as a bad word, like so many words associated with women, like fat, or slut, or bossy. But Hags are cool, man. Consider the hag archetype through history. When life expectancy barely reached 50 and once a woman was no longer a bride nor a mother, she entered her hag years until she died. Hags lived slightly apart from the towns and villages, in a cave or some witchy cottage in the woods. They tended their herb gardens or mixed their medicines and were surrounded by their animals. Dogs, cats particularly clever and charismatic crows. They wore a cape and had a stick to poke things with and they'd roam around engaged in mysterious hag activities like talking to trees or doing weird rituals by streams and lakes. They'd be the only women callow youth, young youths would be scared of, fostering a kind of useful irascibleness. I don't know how to say that. <laughs> that prevented all but the boldest from getting up in their grill and wasting their time. When trouble struck the wider community, in the end, the villagers would always end up having to bravely go and consult the hag, who would then provide them with a medicine or provide wise counsel or tell a story from days of yore that provided a solution to the current problem. 
and every so often they'd meet up with their coven of fellow hags and spend all night cackling in a way that terrified everyone else. This, I note in the 21st century, is exactly the life I am living now. I have gone hag. Observe my day now in my hag years. I'm living a hag life. She goes on to say later in the book, When you are middle-aged, you find other middle-aged women inescapably more glorious than any other kind of person. You may love the men and the younger people passionately, but it is only with the rest of your kind that you feel you can assume your true form, sharing stories and laughing hysterically about things in a way that could, yes, be described by others, passing fearfully by as cackling. We like to meet away from other people. Were it warm enough, we would probably meet in the woods and dance naked around a fire. But as this is Britain in September, we all go to my shed at the bottom of the garden, where we gather around a single bottle of wine that will last us all night. No one in this shed has enzymes for alcohol anymore, but we don't need them. For you can get drunk on the right people when you're older, and these are the right people. Covens are where middle-aged women withdraw from the world to be with those who have, like them, gone through abortion, death, miscarriage, nervous breakdowns, funerals, unemployment, poverty, fear, hospital appointments and broken hearts, where they sometimes weep and comfort each other, but more often make jokes so pitch black they can only be laughed at by a fellow hag. In your coven you attend to your busy, vital hag work drawing up the list of idiots to curse and heroes to bless, forming your battle plans and schedules, scheming the downfall of arsehats and the uprising of the righteous. You do this in a place where non-hags can't hear you because hag life, hag club takes a lifetime to join. And it is here where you launch into the comic routines that leave your hips, your ribs bruised from laughing the next morning. The bellyache of pain that only comes from other hags being truthful about their lives. The husband sneezing and the hormones raging and the bosses perving and the children being a delightful challenge. This is where you realise there is a whole book full of truths about being middle-aged that you have only ever heard spoken and never read. I keep notes on where our conversations span in a single night. Socks, socialism, anal sex, first loves what we would do in widowhood, whether to buy a fake fur galette, how to get a pay rise where the best trees are, kettling, communes, Botox, sertraline, sexism in its many forms, and the glory of Nora Ephron. This is where, one night in our coffin, we find the origin of the word witch. In Old English, it means the thin, whippy branches that can be used to bind things. Baskets, fences, boats, together. A witch is a binding thing, and without it, things fall apart. We, we are witches. Fuck me, how good is she? I could just keep on reading her to you all day and all night because you need this woman in your life. We need this woman. Anyway, that inspo, that's when I decided I needed to not only prioritize real life connections, but I needed to gather the glorious hags. I wrote a few months ago, I want to create some kind of ridiculous regular friend event. I used to do these all the time when I was child free. 
I'd email a big bunch of random friends and issue ridiculous missions like meet us at park at 12.30 to frolic because it's finally 25 degrees and spring is here, bitches. And I would, in fact, force them to frolic. Or you are hereby invited to eat Thai food, but only if you bring three small pieces of paper with secrets written on them, and they will be added to the pink hat of secrets, and we will be taking turns reading out other people's secrets over lunch, and non-secret sharers will not be admitted. And this merry group of good humans would show up, people from work, friends, people I'd met on buses, because yes, I absolutely talked to strangers on public transport. And they'd all make friends and we'd have these hilarious, shouty, glorious and intimate lunch hours, which were stupidly magical. Anyway, I miss that and I want to do shit like that again. So I did it. Last night was our inaugural Coven of Glorious Hags event. I'm planning on them being monthly with a running list of different adventures and missions that we will undertake. Current list of ideas include a full moon women's circle on the beach, paint and sip class, an afternoon at the spa, sacred dance and drumming workshops and concerts, all the good stuff. And I invited about 40 rad women that I know from all over the joint. Homeschooler friends, a chick I met at a party once, a few read a few readers, mum friends, business friends, friends of friends, old friends from twenty years ago, sisters of ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends of my brother. Wherever I go, I collect people, and then I like to tumble them all together and see what magic happens. About a dozen of them or so could make it to our first mission: a sunset cruise on the river where everyone had to dress up like Kath and Kim. We even had a prize for the best dressed, which was a copy of our Bible, How to Be Woman, <laughs> of course. We commandeered the roof of the boat and we spent the next two hours dancing wildly, laughing ourselves hoarse, waving to everyone in sight and generally being the majestic wildebeest we are. We watched the sunset and the pied cormorant's nest and the fruit bats begin their nightly migration. And as we danced under the stars above the river, I thought, this, this is what life is for. This is what friendship is for. It's not for being Facebook friends. It's for real life. It's for dancing and laughing and celebrating this ridiculous and glorious and hard and scrumptious life. I'll admit it, I'm very tired and sore afterwards, but it was worth it. My lungs hurt from laughing like a drain, my thigh muscles ached from the honour of shaking that booty, and my heart is stretched from holding all that love. I can't wait for the next one. This is what we were born to do. We must stitch ourselves back together with laughter and with dance and with each other. I would like to say... I really wondered about whether I should even talk about this during pandemic times. Most of the world is still in lockdown and here's this dickhead gallivanting about on boats, sweating all over our people. So here in Australia, we have mostly eliminated COVID through short, strict, mandatory lockdowns, supported by state border lockdowns and mandatory quarantining for travellers and widespread testing. It's thoroughly and carefully managed and we now have very little to no community transmission. Life is almost normal as long as you don't have to travel. So we've been able to return to dancing on riverboat ways. 
I mean, I definitely considered not sharing my lockdown experiences, my non-lockdown experiences in compassion for people who are still in lockdown. I totally get that. It could be triggering for some. But where I've ended up though is this. I don't want to hide my experiences. I want to still record and celebrate and be grateful for these miracles. And my deepest hope is that it brings you some inspiration and knowing that there is light at the end of the tunnel. One day lockdown will be a distant memory and you too will be out under the stars, flying like a fruit rat and shaking with light. <laughs>